the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we'll learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it's my great pleasure to travel to central southeast Tuscany, to Montalcino, to meet Elena Pellegrini, winemaker at her family estate, Azienda Agricola Cerbaia. Thanks so much for being my guest today, Elena. How are you? Is it a beautiful day where you are? Yeah. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. Uh, yes, I'm good, thank you. Today is an amazing sunny day and uh, a little bit of cold wind, but uh, as always, because Montalcino is a, a very windy hill. And um, thank you for joining me today on Italian Wine Podcast. Well, thank you for being with us and thank you for sharing your story. Now, Montalcino lies about 40 kilometers south of Siena, near the Crete Senese, sheltered by Monte Amiata to the southeast. It's a particularly beautiful wine region and the source, of course, of one of Italy's most prestigious wines, Brunello di Montalcino. Elena, can you please describe the countryside so that our listeners can get a picture in their minds of this very beautiful and special place? Yes, sure. Um, Montalcino is a very, very unique area. It's a great winemaking area and also this unique territory allows to have very different interpretation of the wine. This uh, probably thanks to the several altitudes exposition, soil composition, and microclimate. Uh, very often happens that in the same single vineyard, single plot, we have several soil composition and microclimate. And, uh, you know, we are in the Val d'Orcia, that is uh, um, human heritage. Uh, so it's a very, very important uh, landscape and area. Especially Cerbaia is located in the north-south side of Montalcino Hill, um, actually, we are in Montosoli Hill, one of the most important crew of the area. And um, Montalcino in Tosoli, but especially where we are located, it's a special area located for Sangiovese. The soil composition is clay and the typical Toscan galestro with stone, very small stone, that is perfect for growing long-lasting wines with personality, great complexity, and uh, also very elegant wine and very good for the, for the aging. Okay, well, that's a very good overview. And as well, a reminder to our listeners of this incredible complexity within the Montalcino area. Um, and also, it's, it's particularly beautiful because it's not simply monoculture of vines, but the woods are still very important. And they're 
beautiful views over the countryside. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining from the Montosoli, it's a really stunning place to be and to work. So, Elena, let's let's begin with the story of Cerbaya, a family business that was started in 1978. Now, in, in the late 70s, Brunello was not yet a wine widely known around the world as it is today. It hadn't really yet conquered the global market. So your family were early pioneers in helping to put the wines of Montalcino on the world wine map. Tell us a little bit about the family story. Sure. What you say is correct. Montalci- uh, Brunello now is probably the, the Italian king in the world, probably one of the most important wine in the world. And uh, we, we started in uh, 1978 when my family decided to plant the first vineyards, even if they bought the land in 1920 from Biondi Santi, because Cerbaia lands uh, owned by the Biondi Santi family. And uh, so you just this you can understand how important is that part of Montalcino land, uh, slope. So my family started in 1978 the grown of vines, even if they bought in 1920, but till 1978 they, they were just farmed. Then my father understood the importance and the potential of this uh, amazing wine and grape variety, that is Sangiovese, and decided to plant the first vineyards that is close to the, to, the, to, the, to the cellar. At the time, we had only one hectare and there was only a single room for the vinification. The first vintage was the 1982, with only 2,500 bottles. Then my father and my grandmother built the cellar in 1980. In 1988, they planted our biggest single plot vineyards that we still use. And in 2015, we created a very unique terrace vineyards that is a very unique in Montalcino because we were we are only in two wineries that we use this kind of grown, an alternation between olive oil, tree plants and vines. That's a wonderful picture you're giving us of, of this uh, terraced vineyard. Yeah, very characteristic and so unique. It's also very challenging to work in it because, uh, you know, the rows are very small, are, uh, very tiny. So to go inside to work the soil and uh, also make the organic treatment, uh, we make everything handmade. So it's a very challenging uh, vineyards that take a lot of care. Well, it's also interesting to hear that the... The land was owned by the family as long ago as 1920, but the decision to plant vineyards was in 1978, and your father began in a very small scale. So it was really um, pian piano, I guess, really uh, experimenting and seeing what could come from this land that you have. Now, Elena, I'm interested in your own story because you uh, joined the family business when? In 2014? but you weren't previously working in the world of wine. Tell us your story and how you came to to be drawn into the world of wine. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I'm the third generation, but my wine life, we can say, started quite recently because even if my entire family comes from Montalcino, I moved here from Rome where I was born, I grew up, I studied, and I had my entire life till 10 years ago when I decided to quit everything 
and to come here, we can say back home, and to take care uh, to the family farm. I like to think that probably I was predestinated to do this, because even if, uh, you know, my entire life uh, is here, so my great parents, uh, and uh, so I used to come here, to come here for the summer holiday, Christmas holiday, Easter holiday, I always have been in contact with this uh, with this territory with Montalcino and so maybe this is destiny that uh, yes in, in, at the beginning of 2014 I decided to to quit my career because uh, you know I had a specialistic degrees in manager marketing human resource finance so um, I decided to to change completely my life and to come here and restart from the beginning because I, I didn't know uh, not so much about uh, uh, agriculture, enologies, a subject. So I restarted everything from the, from the beginning. That's an amazing story. So you left the, the city of Rome where you'd grown up, where you'd worked, where you had a, a, a successful yeah. career yeah. and decided to move to the family farm because... You felt the roots of who you were were still deep in that soil? Yeah, sure, exactly. My wine roots uh, is uh, is here. Okay. Was it difficult for a woman to enter into the world of wine in 2014? Okay, I think that um, probably the wine business, the wine world, is uh, it's still a little bit made business for um, a lot of reasons. First of all, the first shock is to move from, uh, from a big city to a very, very small town, a small village. So this this was a shock for me because I used to have a kind of life that you for sure you can find in a very small reality like Montalcino. And also I'm a very relationship person. So at the beginning, I miss all my connection with people because I, I didn't know so much people here and especially with a different mind. From, from mine and uh, also the the business uh, the wine business is uh, very very difficult to approach it's not so so transparent so limpid we can say <laughs> yes a lot of mm, not competitors but uh, you know they're very very so different reality and uh, it's different uh, it's a very very um, fast world it's very challenging but uh, you know we are we are young we are here for this so <laughs> i'm happy to take in this decision for sure well you must have really learned quickly because the wines of cherbaya although you are a small producer are of the highest quality and receive awards and are written about i've read about your wines in decanter magazine here in the uk for example Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. What is the philosophy and approach to wine at Cerbaia? You know, we like to say that our wines must reflect our philosophy and especially our female philosophy. So I always say that probably my wine are very elegant and fine because I'm a woman and I have a very delicate palate maybe. So I want that the philosophy of the, of the, of the winery is uh, quality-oriented for sure because we are very, um, uh, we can call it boutique winery. You, we have uh, only 
five hectares, all under the appellation Brunello di Montalcino. So it means that the potential is up to 30,000 bottles, but now the average of the production is 20,000. So it means that we sacrificed a lot of production uh, to focus only on quality. So the customer also have to uh, see and recognize the quality and the style of Cerbaia Brunello di Montalcino and the other wines. And for this, we use only large Lasbonian oak to guarantee the very classic and traditional styles and very long persistent in the oak because we love we love very very tan that the tannins are very soft and rounder. Also, the uh, organic philosophy is uh, very, very important to us because you have to consider that I'm the first consumer of the wine. So for sure, I want a very, very healthy wine. What are some of the steps you take for your organic cultivation as well as in the winemaking process? Uh, For sure, we are are organic, but we are not. We, are, we have not the certification, but only because we are in the north. The north, uh, the north side of Montalcino, um, till uh, five, ten years ago, was mo- one of the most, maybe the most challenging area because we are very high, high altitude. We are lying on an altitude of 400 meters above sea level. So sometimes we suffer uh, late frost, uh, a lot of uh, not dryness because we have a lot of water water veins under the soil, but uh, sometimes hill because we are in the north position. So it's a very challenging area. So I prefer to be uh, secure, to be sure that if I have to make a very strong uh, approach, I can. But, uh, you know, we make only, only organic treatment. Okay. Now, I'm just wondering, with the uh, excessive heat that you've had to uh, endure over the last two seasons at least, and and it, this has been obviously increasing over the years, does the position um, of your vineyards assist that, being on the north uh, and also at high altitude? Yeah. Yeah, you know, probably in the last 10, 5 years, the north side is a fashion. Everybody wants wines that come from the north. But why? Because it's here that born very, very elegant, very, very fresh, with a lot of complexity wines. Also, um, they're different because the focus uh, um, now till 10 years ago it was a, a, a little bit difficult to uh, arrive to get the perfect ripeness now with the climate change the north wineries the, the, the wineries that are located in the north maybe uh, has a little bit uh, more help from the nature for this because we have uh, a lot of structure the velvet tannins, they are very rich and elegant wines. So um, everything changed in the last 10 years. Okay, that's interesting. Now let's just familiarize our listeners with your wines. Let's start with the Rosso di Montalcino. Yeah, Rosso di Montalcino is a, a younger wine than some, some people call it uh, the little brother, but it's not correct, this, uh, <laughs> this approach to the wine, because Rosso is, uh, has its own life, its own approach. It's a modern approach of Sangiovese, because uh, it's a very interesting wine, especially Rosso di Montalcino Cerbaia, because we we declassed it from the youngest grapes of Brunello. 
and you can find the structure of Sangiovese, but also a lot of fruit and freshness. It's uh, a wine that is ready to drink immediately. It's a very dynamic, and uh, our production is sm- is so small because it's around the four thousand, five thousand bottles every year. Okay. What is the aging discipline for Rosso di Montalcino? When can it be released? Um, okay, the, the release is in immediately because uh, we have to wait uh, less than one year after the harvest. And uh, our Rosso, uh, we like, we love to make a little bit of oak for the oak for the Rosso um, between four and six months because the reason is that it comes from the same grapes of Brunello. So we need to make it a little bit um, approachable. And yeah, otherwise the Brunello is a very classic style traditional Brunello because uh, um, stay for 36 months in the oak, large Slavonian oak barrel. And it's a very dry wine for sure with a brilliant color, intense parfum uh, on a palate. It's a very, very complex. Uh, a very high level of acidity to guarantee a very long aging in the bottle and uh, a lot of body and the tannins are so very tall velvet and very round. And then for the Brunello di Montalcino Riserva, that's a further aging discipline then as well. Okay, the Riserva we produce only in the best vintages when we believe that the wine and the grapes uh, are on the top of the quality and has the capacity the capacity to become a reserva. So the last available the last reserva available uh, is the 50, and the next one will be that will be able will be the amazing 19. And uh, our we obtain from our uh, oldest vines and uh, stay for 48 months in the oak. So a very very long aging in the oak. Okay, great. Now, one other thing I'd like to talk about is your extra virgin olive oil. I'm imagining you're just finishing the olive harvest. Yeah, yeah. Ten, ten days ago, we finished the harvest and also the press. So that means you're enjoying the new oil right now. Yeah, yeah a lot of bread, the fresh bruschetta with bread. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, this is the third vintage that the um, uh, olive oil harvest in Cerbaia in the north, but probably, as I heard by my colleagues all around Montalcino area, is not so amazing because of the quantity. Because every time during the flowering happens something, or too much rain, too much water, or too much cold, the late frost. So it's three years that we have we are having some difficulties with the olive oil harvest. Okay, well, I think that's important for our listeners to understand as well that olives are as sensitive to vintage variations as wine. And indeed, the release of the new oil is a very exciting moment uh, and part of the rhythms of uh, of life. Um, that oil is such a precious uh, food. Uh, tell us a little bit, let's talk about gastronomy uh, Piatti tipici, the new oil, and how some of these local foods pair well with the wines of Cerbaia. Okay. Um, You know, Brunello is a dry wine and also tannins that take away the lubrification of your mouth. So for dry and tannin wines like Brunello, you need fat and oil food that um, recreate a balance, the lubrification on your mouth. And for this is perfect, the cold cats, cheeses, 
pasta with meat sauce, the typical local wild boar, the deer, all this fat and oil food that goes very well with the Brunello and emphasize the Brunello, but also Rosso, for sure. Okay, so the Rosso you would maybe have with, with lighter foods, with the salumi? Yes, because Rosso is, a, we can say that everyday wine, no? Especially here in Montalcino, is everyday wine. So for pasta, um, yes. Okay. All very simple plates. What is yes, the typical sure. pasta? Ta- pasta, here we have peachy. Uh, also, in Montalcino, is the only part of Tuscany that called pinchi with the N in the, in the middle. But pinchi is a very long, is a huge spaghetto, <laughs> uh, handmade, and uh, goes very well with the white boar sauce. Okay, the ragù di cinghiale. Absolutely. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. And you were telling me the name Cerbaia. Where does that come from? It comes from the Latin words that means cervo, cervus, the deer. In fact, Cerbaia means deer land. And our logo on the label is a deer that is resting under the vines to mean the same peace and rest that Nitsu Brunello during his very long aging process, aging life. So with this what game, what play game to to understand to put the deer on the label and uh, our label, I think it's quite classic. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful label. Finally, Elena, if our listeners uh, would like to visit Cherbaya, is that possible? Can you tell us about wine hospitality? Yeah, they are absolutely welcome. We can host a group up to twenty people. And we love to host clients, wine lovers, and all the other kind of person who wants to improve their knowledge about Brunello. Because I, you know, I always say it's so important for the winery to travel and go abroad to promote the wine. But only coming here and visiting and visit the winery, people can understand really better how how much work is behind the Brunello and maybe in this way appreciate better. The wine tour includes uh, our visit to the vineyards, is the weather <laughs> allowed, it is the cellar and the Brunello Rosso tasting vertical, what they, what they want. And I see that people love and enjoy the landscape, the amazing landscape and also the quietness of this place. Yes, I think that's um, that's a real attraction for visiting the Montalcino area, the wonderful wines, the wine estates that can be visited, but as well, it's just such a beautiful place to relax. Uh, the countryside's beautiful. There, There is a historic town of Montalcino itself, uh, the Abbey of Sant'Antimo as well. So it's a beautiful area, and I hope our listeners will visit Cerbaia, explore the area, and discover uh, this very special place. Elena, it's been a really great pleasure talking to you this morning. Thank you so much for sharing the story of Cerbaia, sharing your own story, and telling us about the wines that you're making. Thank you, Mark, for hosting me and Cerbaia Winery today on Italia Wine Podcast. And I hope to see you soon in Montalcino. I hope so too. I would love to visit and meet. So perhaps a presto. Yeah. Grazie. Ciao. 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 Grazie.
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.